We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Do you remember how 2021 was a lot of SPACs and a lot of IPOs? SPACs were this weird type of IPO that a lot of people had never, ever heard about. And essentially what a SPAC is, is kind of a special interest company. And what they would see is like, oh, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are racing to the moon. Who in all of the United States is coming up with rocket technology? Who in all the United States is coming up with a global tourism to the moon theory business plan? Who wants to launch satellites? So SPACs would find these companies and say, how much? How much for your company? And the owner's like, well, I really wasn't selling. I'm just coming up with a, a new uh, uh, prototype uh, rocket engine. Uh, it's not ready for public use yet. And the individual would say, I, I sold for $100 million. And the SPAC would go, how about $200 million? Deal's done. We're going to sell to the public now. And the owner would get a lot of money. It's happened in EVs. It's happened in space travel. It happened in things like online insurance. And most of the SPACs, they didn't go through the rigorous IPO process, the initial public offering where bankers say, you know what? We think you're worth $100 million, but we're going to build up your value to $200 million. Just tell us your story. Give us the sizzle. And bankers would figure out how to sell that to the public. A little bit better process than... Who wants a blank check? So you're seeing some IPOs and some SPACs from last year really struggle. It wasn't a great time to come public. It wasn't a great time to be a new business. During the times of COVID, a lot of the businesses were COVID-proof. Let's do online signatures so people don't have to get in public and drink and sign online. Let's do an online bar so people can drink at home and have windows to other people and yell at bartenders online. So checks were written. Let's do an online insurance company. Let's do an online auto buying service. Like some of them were good ideas and some of them not so good ideas. Very brutal returns one year later. I bring this up because I've been through at least four periods in the last 25 years where my audience gets a little bit caught up in the concept of, you know, these companies that have been around here for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. I don't need that one. I need the one that's come in public that no one's ever heard of yet. Now, again, there's winners and losers. I didn't get it, but there's last year more losers because these were businesses that were battle born during COVID, not necessarily battle born during capitalism good times and bad times. When a company comes public, you may like it because it's shiny and new, whereas I want it to go around the block once or twice. You can't say that about everything in your life. You can't say like, oh, the love of my life, I want to meet her, but I want her to go around the block once or twice. 
You can't say that about your favorite pet. Oh, I would love a Labradoodle. Okay, probably not a Labradoodle, but I'm going to wait till it's six and has no teeth. Oh, like I would love a brand new car, but I want someone else to put the first 20,000 miles on it. It's not no longer a brand new car. So you have to sacrifice something. Do you want to see if they can live through good times and bad times? A very good example of this would be Zoom. Another very good example of this would be Peloton. You're taking on additional risk by not knowing how it does in good times and bad times. For instance, let me give you a weird, 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 weird example. Let's pull up a chart of, I don't know, does anyone have a favorite chart that they want to yell out for the crowd right now? Um, let's pull out a chart of Coca-Cola. So a ticker symbol would be KO, right? Now, if I want to see how they do in good times and bad times, the first date that I'm going to go back to, probably 9-11. And during 9-11, if you go back to July, uh, let's go back to, it was about a $60 stock during 9-11. And interestingly, it went higher for the next year when a lot of stocks went lower. Now, why do I say that as the word interesting? I don't know. A lot of stocks went lower. So during a tough time, it actually went higher. Let's go back to the 1990s when you know what the most favorite stock was? Was a financial stock or a tech stock? And in the 1990s, Coca-Cola went from $5 a share all the way to $24 a share. That's damn good return. So it did well during the go-go 90s. It did well during 9-11. If we were to go to 2006, 2007, 2008, it didn't do so go well. It went from $28 to $22. So during a recession in the United States, the economic collapse of basically Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers, the mortgage collapse in the United States, it didn't do so well, but it still paid a dividend. Now, since then, it's done nothing but go straight up. Now, ain't that something? Now, wait, wait, wait. You're like, wait, wait, Rob, you forgot one period of time that I want to know about COVID. How did it do during COVID? Um, if you go back to 2019, um, which I think we could all say or was the start Christmas time, 2019, <clears throat> January, February, March, March is probably the most t- uh, time people associate COVID-19 hitting the United States. It was a $58 stock and uh Oh, it dropped to $45. Remember when the market was crashing in mid 2020, March, April, it gave you a buying opportunity going from $55 down to $45. And since then, it's gone from 45 to 62. That's an amazing return. And it's paid a dividend along the way. Now, you can do that with any stock you want. Let's say your next stock is NVIDIA. I just kind of showed you that there was some periods of time where Coca-Cola underperformed. But it always came roaring back. And there was periods of time where the stocks were roaring and it roared with it. Now, NVIDIA is a little bit tougher of a cookie. They make semiconductors, right? 
And if you go all the way back to 9-11, you would see that it was a $3 stock. And then a couple years later, during the whole technology slide damaging period, it wasn't worth much more. Um, and I bring that up in large part because it, it underperformed, but since then it's massively outperformed. And when you take a look at it, what you're seeing now, um, let's go to 2018, 2000, let's go to nine, let's go to COVID. Ever since COVID, people started using computers from home more and getting more Xboxes and Playstations, which don't use NVIDIA chips, but PCs do. And cryptocurrency, it's roared. There's no shame looking at a chart, okay? I think there's a, it's a mistake to look at a chart and say, oh, I bet it's going higher because I can see it in the chart. I've never been, met anyone who could read tea leaves that well who's not a professional. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. I knew 25 years ago that I was better at picking stocks than my stockbroker, so I got into the industry, essentially. It's a longer story than that. It was actually me hearing a Peter Gabriel song called Salisbury Hill and then deciding... I don't want to work for other people. I want to work for myself, start my own business. And boom, next thing you know, I'm an investment advisor. And I asked some of my best friends, I'm like, can you um, come in and be my admin? Can you come in and be my trader? And I started an investment advisory firm. But my goal was always to help the average person invest because I felt they were the people getting ignored by Wall Street and I would have a clientele of average people. I never wanted to play golf as a way of sealing a deal. It just wasn't my thing. I wanted to be good at what I did. I wanted to outwork Wall Street. That was always my shtick. Yesterday, I found myself talking with a company that I'm now working with. And I'm like, I really want to help the individual. And I really, clientele who are uber wealthy, I don't think they need me. You guys got that covered. I'm still fighting for you. That's the goal of the show. There's a company called Wee. I know you're saying like that pig in that commercial sliding down the hill in a vehicle. Is that a Geico commercial? Probably, right? He's going down. Wee. They're an online grocery company focused on Asian Latin foods. They raised $425 million in funding. You know what I like about that? It's not Safeway. You know what I like about it? It's not Albertson. It's not Giant. It's not Lucky's. It's not... What looks like the supermarket for the suburbs. It looks like the supermarket for the white picket fences. I love the idea of cultural food getting its space in the world of retail. Because when I look around, I'm like, hey, everyone's not looking the same color here. And everyone's not looking like they're from the same country here. And that's a good thing from a business standpoint. For instance, let me give you an example. Have you ever been to a foreign country? It could be Germany. It could be Jamaica. It could be wherever. And you've gone in the local grocery store and you're like, well, this is going to be a challenging trip trying to figure out uh, what we're going to make for my American family. Think of the opposite when people are here. I love the idea of cultural food being in retail. If it has to have its own retail, it's fine. If it has to be online, that's fine. If it has to be delivered, that's fine. 
But from a business perspective, it makes sense, right? Major League Baseball lockout continues with the league announcing the cancellation of the first couple weeks. Only thing I can tell you on that, all I care about is that's a labor deal. I don't care if the Giants win the pennant. 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 I don't care about Buster Posey retiring. Like That's not going to change my financial life. What's going to change my life is to explain to you, you know what the most expensive thing to be in a Major League Baseball owner is? It's hiding how much money you make from the players. No, no, it's how much you have to pay your players. And do you think the owners are trying to hide and trying to, uh, to cry poor? Absolutely. Here's a fascinating story. And this is just where I see life just as a money issue my whole life. Um, my last dog, Maisie the Wonder Dog. Um, she died probably four years ago. It was a tragic moment in my life because Vishlas are incredibly human animals. Go Google it today. Spend a little time on YouTube with Vishlas and you'll go, Rob, Rob likes this amazingly adorable breed. And you're like, why don't you get a, a dog from the shelter? That's my preference, but not the person my life's preference. So anyway, Maisie was in a car accident when she was three. And I knew Maisie from age four or five until 15, 16. And Maisie would always like whenever she was hungry or whatever, she saw you like eating a piece of pizza that she wanted. She'd like, she'd show you her whimper gimp hand. She'd go, and she was in a car accident. She hurt her hand and she's like, look at me. I can barely walk. And I'm like, wasn't that 10, 15 years ago? You're just playing this. I think there's a little bit that goes on in the world of finance of, of showing you the weakness, right? Oh, let's move on. Um, Uber can now be used to book concert tickets and restaurant reservations. And I'm like, what? I, okay. I'm going to have to digest that one. Are they spending money stupidly? Or is that the right vertical? A lot of people want to become super apps. Super app, for instance, I went to Ticketmaster yesterday to look for tickets. I didn't even think that I can go to Uber, who can get me the tickets and get me there. So while I'm noodling on my phone on my Uber drive over to the concert, I could be pulling up my concert tickets, getting ready to go in. Samba TV and Disney have partnered for TV measurement business. There's not a big story there. Other than to tell you, I was once part of the Nielsen family. It's incredibly stupid how Nielsen ratings used to get done. They would send you a diary. And for some reason, this company is incredibly cheap. Like, I know you're saying a diary. Was it a leather bound book that smelled of rich mahogany? No. It was basically 10 post-it notes stuck together. (laughs) They would send you a diary and say, okay, what did you watch this week? And the paper was the size of a post-it note. And I remember it because this is very strange. And you would write down what you watched. It wasn't very scientific. Now, how do I know what the hell my kids are watching? I have YouTube TVs. They're they're watching TV on the iPad. They're watching on their computers. They're beaming it from their computer to their TV. They're watching it on the TV. They're beaming it from their TV to their iPad. I don't know. So 21st century is what I'm getting at is that Disney has had to say, you know, we need to know how many people are watching and we need to have a new service figure this out for us. Crude oil hits $116 a barrel. That's the highest level since 2008. 
Um, and it's also bad. Oil to me when it's high is one of the dumbest things on the planet. And now you're saying like, why Rob, why? Well, on one hand, it's a good thing because nations that produce oil tend to be on the poor side. No, not on the poor side. It tends to be their biggest way of doing business. And the poor people in their country tend to hate the United States because we have capitalism. It's a lot more than just dirty sludge from the ground. We have a diversified economy. So I like oil being higher because it keeps countries like Saudi Arabia flush with money. And when they're flush with money, the kingdom gives money back to their citizens. And their citizens aren't like, well, let's get radicalized and blow up the United States. That's not my opinion. That's the opinion of a former secretary of state who I once had on the show of if you spread some wealth, people have jobs. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Poverty will radicalize people. And now that I think about it, is that like a racist thing? It could be. I don't know. Years later, I'm like, where do, how do I circle back on something I learned 20 years ago? It's 20 years ago. I was like, ah, yes, yes, yes. I understand. So 2022 is a year where we're looking at stocks from 2021. Remember I talked about SPACs earlier in the show? These were private companies that would go public because they have a lot of money and they would say, okay, investors, I just want you to know that I'm going to be uh, writing a check for something that's in the news. It could be space flight. It could be artificial intelligence. It could be um, back in the day and age when Beyond Meat was a big story on vegetarian uh, proteins. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. Well, last year, a lot of money went pumped into SPACs, into electric vehicles. And if you look at the one year later report card, it's not pretty. Very, very careful running into an investment idea. I got an email earlier this week and it's kind of heartbreaking because she sent me numerous emails now. And ultimately, She's looking for an answer from me that she doesn't want to hear. And I, I say that again with a lot of respect. That be careful. The email was like, I'm a small investor. What can I invest in? <clears throat> and I'm like, how small of an investor? Not that I'm trying to humiliate anyone. But because I'm trying to like see what she has to work with, the best way for the average person to invest is to slide off a little bit of your income and put it in a 401k, a 403b. That's in my opinion. But it's also if you have 20, 30, 40 years. I've run into people, and I say this with a lot of respect, that barely have two dimes rubbed together. They're living paycheck to paycheck. And instead of in their head going, this probably isn't a good idea for me to be speculating on Bitcoin. I lost a friendship last year um, because a friend started getting into Bitcoin and she's a single, eh, she is a single parent, single parent mother. Uh, she lives with a guy. She's, she's one of those people that's pretty interesting. So 25 years ago, 20 years ago, she made a baby with a man that she wasn't never going to marry for some reason. 
is how she would explain her. So she goes, yeah, I got a daughter. And I'm like, who's the daddy? And she's like, oh, I'm never gonna marry him. I'm like, she introduced him that way. Um, and she owns a photography business and she's a great photographer. And she started taking some of the stimulus money that she was getting from the government and she started buying Bitcoin. I'm like, this isn't going to end well for you. Why didn't she put it in a 401k? She would have been up 20%. She ended up losing everything because she panicked. Try to stay within your comfort levels, please. And try not to turn a little bit into a million. It doesn't work that way. Best way to invest, skim off 5, 10, 15% of your income, put it in your 401k. That's my opinion. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. What are you doing this weekend? I'm Batman. Many Americans will be visiting the movie theaters this weekend. You should expect to pay a little bit more. They're doing a little bit of surge pricing for Batman. Interesting, right? Uh, we haven't really talked about that with movie theaters in a long period of time. The Nasdaq's up 1.6% yesterday. So yesterday was one of those reversal days. We're emotionally on a roller coaster with Ukraine and Russia. And by that, I mean, is it ever fun to see dead bodies on television? But it's on television. So we're going to go to the movies this weekend and see Batman. But the stock market is an emotional roller coaster right now. Bitcoin sitting at 44,147. Kind of got a second chance. Not when the market came back, maybe when the market came back, but more than likely when the Russians started buying cryptocurrencies. That's what the financial media headlines want you to believe. I don't know. Nor do I care. Bitcoin's not going to make or change my life. One of the sadder things that I see are people who are like, um, and I, do we all know a couple people like this? I know a guy who named David and I remember him when he was a real estate agent. I remember him when he was, you know, a guy who would refer mortgages and David now goes on LinkedIn and he's being, his title is uh, Bitcoin enthusiast, Bitcoin educator, Bitcoin God, Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin. I'm like, this is not going to end well for David. That's the church of what's working now. And I'm not saying go against it. I'm just saying be very, very intelligent not to go too deep. When you're like, I'm getting naked. I'm swimming in the ocean. Sweet. And then low tide comes in and it pulls all the water out or all the water in the high tide pulls all the water out. The person who's swimming naked and who took too big of a chance going too far out there, it's like, hey, uh, anyone got a towel? Bitcoin's fine, but don't go too deep. Tech stocks are fine, but don't go too deep. Being conservative is fine, but don't be too conservative. 
So yesterday, the NASDAQ, the SP 500, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average all did well, like real well, like 1.6% in a day. Well, that's good. <clears throat> you do that for what, 60 days, 70 days, and you're up 100%. Woo, sweet. Doesn't always work that way, though, right? Stocks rose across the board with strong corporate fundamentals outshining geopolitical worries yesterday. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell kind of kissed the market. I know you're saying like an Irish kind of kiss, like a good luck kind of kiss. Jerome Powell kind of kissed the market yesterday, saying it's too soon to say how the war on Ukraine is going to affect the central bank's plans. But he's expecting to raise interest rates 25 basis points. He didn't say 50, he said 25. And yesterday the markets went sweet. And they loved it. In the Ukraine war update, Russia forced and the Russian forces took control of the southern city, Kyrgyzstan. Ukrainian officials said yesterday, a significant victory for Russia due to Kyrgyzstan's strategic position in the region. Um, that's your war update from Rob Black. There's more interesting ones tied towards money. Not more interesting. There's more money interesting ones tied towards money. Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich, he's going to sell the Chelsea football club as fast as he freaking can because he doesn't want that $2.5 billion asset seized. So two weeks ago, he's like, ah, maybe this whole Russian tension thing, I'll, I'll leave as CEO and I'll just let the board of directors do their thing. Less than a week into sanctions, it's like time to sell the company. And he's selling all of his London real estate. He's famous for acquiring a 50% stake in Siberian oil, which was Sibneft for short back in the day. Um, He bought the company at a rock bottom price. He got a majority stake. He was put in power probably uh, more so than a capitalist. So he spends $100 million, he gets $13 billion. Eh, I wish we all could have a deal like that and have a comfortable relationship with Russian President Vladimir Putin. But German authorities have taken possession of a super yacht now and a football team, a soccer team for Americans, uh, a pretty famous one at that could be seized. It's going to be f- not fun. It- if you're a writer right now, you are sitting in front of your typewriter, pounding away on, on the stories you're seeing created because they involve big money and losses. It involves death and governments and conspiracies. This is stuff of great fiction and we're living through it weird, right? Amazon's retail experiment has exploded like a Mentos and a Diet Coke. It's over. The company said it's closed in all 68 of its physical bookstores and pop-up stores and major shakeup of its slapdash brick-and-mortar strategy. The good thing for Amazon is they can experiment. The bad thing for Amazon is that they're finding that brick-and-mortar is, is a cost of business. Having a physical store is a cost. Now, Amazon's still going to be doing some other things along the lines of you know, uh, clothing stores and grocery stores, Um, but they're closing all their physical bookstores. Interesting, right? And at one point in time, Amazon had this concept of, okay, let's do a physical bookstore and we're going to put our Kindles and our Fire tablets and all of our cool electric products right there on a stand and people can touch them. And they'll walk up to the cashier and say, Mr. Cashier, please send one of these to my home. Concept didn't work for them. 
Okay. Picking up what I'm putting down. It's okay. No spilled milk. No one's going to die. Ford took notes from One Direction, the hopes that breaking up would be, would make it stronger. One Direction, a band that everyone seems to love except for me. Ford said yesterday it'll drive into two separate businesses, Ford Blue, which will handle internal combustion engines, and Ford Model E, which is going to focus on electric vehicles. Methinks the grandfather Ford, the great-great-grandfather Ford, is rolling in his grave like, what do you mean you're splitting up my name into an electric vehicle? Smart thing to do in my mind. The electric vehicle will get a premium valuation. The internal combustion engine will get a discount valuation. And you could say, I want to own the internal combustion engine one for a dividend. And you could say, I want to own the electric vehicle side for sexy, sexy growth. Wall Street will reward that. Eight state attorney generals who clearly get their recipes from, not from TikTok, are launching an investigation to TikTok and its potential physical and mental harm on young users. The announcement comes at less than a day after President Biden urged lawmakers to hold social media firms accountable for the experiment they're conducting on our children for profit. Um, I wish I had something snappy to say here. I don't. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. On occasion, Wall Street runs into Main Street and government. Be prepared for curveballs. Have a question? Reach out at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Okay, I'm feeling kind of guilty because the show's been a little bit sloppy. I'm like one of those trains going down the track and I'm coming, coming off. Electrical vehicle, electric vehicle charging company, ChargePoint, reported a solid into its fiscal year. ChargePoint, if you have an electric vehicle, is something you'll see in shopping malls. It's something you'll see at parks. And you're like, okay, let's see what I got to figure out here. Let's see, does it fit in my vehicle? Yes, it fits in my vehicle. Or the Tesla has the adapter. Or the, yes, yes. And okay, like, where do you pay? And you're like, oh, you have to download an app to use it. And you download the app and... Suddenly you're at a park for 10 minutes trying to figure out how to charge your vehicle. And you're like, this sounds great. I can walk my dog and charge. And then you get a relationship with ChargePoint because you've downloaded the app, you've put in your credit card. And it says now wave your phone in front of the meter and Bluetooth technology is going to capture it and you're going to be ready to charge. And you start charging your vehicle. It's like, oh, it's only charging at four miles an hour. How much am I being charged? I can go to a supercharger. I can do it at home much faster than that. Now it's going to be more expensive. More, we don't even know. We don't know. We don't know the break-even points. I can tell you supercharging your Tesla is easily 25 to 50% more expensive than gasoline per mile. But that's it. That's if you do it at peak times. Of which again, Elon Musk in Ukraine, he made all superchargers in Ukraine basically free. So Ukrainians could leave the country if they needed to. Guy's good at PR, is he not? It's a charge point, ticker symbol CHPT. If you can get over your I love Republicans or I hate Democrats bumper sticker or your I love Democrats, I hate Republicans bumper sticker, whatever side you're on, open your eyes and see that billions of dollars are going into it. And Biden is like, the folks at Ford are electric. The folks at General Motors are electric. And electric vehicles are good for the planet and the folks. But what he's also saying is like, here's a couple, they're spending 
billions of dollars. Tesla's like, over here, I'm spending a hundred billion. And Ford and GM are spending billions of dollars. And Biden's like, well, we're going to give these folks electric vehicle chargers all across America. We're going to build the infrastructure so all Americans are incentivized to do this. Because look at your car, it's dirty. The tailpipe's filthy. Filthy stuff comes out of it. Look at your oil leak in your driveway. It's filthy because oil coming out of your vehicle. And you look at electric vehicles, you're like, there's no maintenance on these vehicles or there's very little maintenance, but there's no oil and like, it's not filthy. So charge point is a play on all this infrastructure. It's a play on the build out. I talked about it last year, kind of like, hey, if I were to play electric vehicles, I'd probably play the mining stocks or the charging stocks. You don't have to play Tesla to play electric vehicles. Now, you could also say, I'm playing electric vehicles because my kid, my kid, I want my, my planet to be clean for my kid. I don't want these disaster movies to end up being true. Uh, the day after, I don't want a North America to freeze, my kid to freeze in three seconds in Philadelphia at a mall. I want electric vehicles for my kid. I, as an investor, I get that. You could own, so you could say, I'm going to put 90% of my money in diversified investments, but 10% is going to go into a theme. Now, your theme could be sin. Your theme, like, so you could own beer, alcohol, and firearm companies. Thinking to yourself, well, America's always going to sin. We're a nation of sinners. Your theme could be clean energy. Your theme could be uh, socially responsible companies. Um, I'm not much of a theme investor, I don't think, at this point in time. Maybe my theme is tech because tech pushes businesses to be more productive, productive. Like maybe it's a little themes in video games, but like, for instance, in video games, I don't own Sony, even though the PlayStation five is a monster company. I own Sony probably in some index funds, but I don't own it directly. If I were to put together a theme investment on video games, I would throw in maybe Activision, Electronic Arts, take two, NVIDIA, AMD, Microsoft, Sony, uh, Logitech, Turtle Beach, maybe Best Buy. And I'd say, there's my video game investment theme. <clears throat> I can do that. I get it, right? You get it. I get it. We get it. Um, your theme on electric vehicles could be a little bit of Tesla, a little bit of charge point, a little bit of the mining companies. Uh, it doesn't have to be just Tesla. Tesla puts the greatest risk and the greatest reward together in front of you. Charge point's kind of boring. They make gas stations for electric vehicles, but they're not gas stations. They're, they're, they make a relationship with the city and they go, Hey, uh, Pasadena, <clears throat> we see a lot of Teslas down here. Do you mind if uh, we put in these two, uh, well, heck, let's put in 10 charging stations in the grocery store, a uh, grocery lot of Safeway and Safeway's uh, realtor makes money on the lease. <clears throat> But the guy who's doing the lease says, uh, you got to go to the city of Pasadena and get a permit for that. <clears throat> and that permit is for like this level three electrification grid. So it's, it's not like a 120 volt charger. It's not like a 240. Like it is a massive power station. Now, some of them I'm seeing are using solar panels. So you're charging like at maybe one mile an hour kind of thing. Um it's not like a big electrical drain to the city. But ChargePoint's kind of got this interesting angle. 
And five, 10 years ago, if we were to say, would we be having this conversation about electric vehicles? You would be saying like, what's going to happen to gas stations? I remember 10 years ago being in Hawaii and sitting at a pool bar. And you probably know which one it is. Um, same bartender there for 15 years in a row. And it's like, whoa, this must be a pretty good gig. Sitting at a pool bar and uh, the person next to me is like from California, like Californians, we all go to Kauai. We're not very creative. And uh, I'm like, so how did you make your money to avoid this place? And she owns two gas stations in Santa Clara. And her parents, I think, might have owned them kind of thing. I'm wondering if electric vehicles is, are scaring her now. I wonder if she's saying, I better open a charge point station. So charge point delivered a great quarter. Um, they're advancing technology. They're trying to do commercial fleet, residential verticals. They've had numerous uh, success stories as a publicly traded company, 65% year over year increase in annual revenue. Their number of acquisitions and activated port count grew by over 60%. They've got 174,000 EV charging ports across the United States and Europe. They're on my phone. They might be on your phone as an app. Stock was down 26% year to date. Shares are off 62% from their all-time high. So this has been your, this is your entrance if you believe in a gas station electric vehicle angle play. I'm not telling you it is or isn't, but very nice quarter after a very rough 18 months. Is it a long-term investment? You decide. It's not mine yet. It's on my radar. And I've got a friend who owns a solar company who owns shares of the company. You decide. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. The show is a hot mess today. Oil prices and wheat prices are up. Russia is stepping up its invasion on the Ukraine and the meeting between Ukraine and Russia delegations to discuss a possible ceasefire. Probably not going to develop an agreement today. In the Eurozone, the producer price index is up a record 30.6% year over year. So producers are paying 30.6% more this year in the month of Marches. I don't know if that's a February number or January number or March number. February. Just open your eyes. Don't see it, Rob. 30%. Do you think that's not going to get passed on to the, the user? So there's the producer and then there's the consumer of things that are produced. The macro picture is not a good one in the world right now. You might know it by judging the stock market's recent behavior. Inflation is the boogeyman. I've been saying that for years on this show. And every time I say it, what do I say next? It's like the Jason Voorhees. It's like the Freddy Krueger. It scares me more than Jason or Freddy. Eh, maybe not as much as Chucky. I know you're saying Chucky, the little doll with a knife. He scared you. Don't know. I'm like, no, no. The guy who uh, was the Raiders coach. He scares me. In the biggest boring story ever. He bought a $4 million home two years ago in Vegas and sold it for $7 million. And that's your headline news, ladies and gentlemen. But <clears throat> okay. So the Eurozone is dealing with 30% producer price inflation. 
that's not good. Um, Fed Chairman Powell yesterday said he's going to propose and support a 25 basis point hike at the March meeting. He is back today talking to Congress for a semi-annual monetary policy. The Senate Banking Committee, he's appearing at basically right now. So the news is creeping out. But he'll say today what he said yesterday. He kind of has prepared remarks. And then Congress and senators get a chance to get some you know, buzz for their, their campaigns coming up. No, Lauren Bob- Bobbert is not going to ask him any questions because Lauren Bobbert doesn't know much about money. No, it's not going to be a contentious issue between her and him. It's going to be more like the great senator from Massachusetts, Bernie Sanders, or somebody like somebody out there, Elizabeth Warren. We'll get a good juicy headline today that's something along the lines of, do you like inflation killing our American citizens' ability to put food on the children's tables for dinner? And Jerome Powell's like, I do not like that. But the headline that she just captured is going to go into a campaign, no doubt. So it's a time where he gets roasted is what I'm getting at ridiculous questions that senators think make them look and sound intelligent uh, get proposed in kind of a paragraph form question only for Jerome Powell to say, I'm on top of it. But headlines come out of it. So today we're getting a little bit more. Tomorrow, tomorrow. How's that little orphan Annie? How does that still get produced? I just don't get it. I know you're saying, you don't like musicals, do you? I don't like musicals, but I really don't like Little Orphan Annie. But I'm Daddy Warbucks. So Jerome Powell today, Jerome Powell yesterday, and tomorrow we get the jobs report. Those are, and this is going to sound crass, those are much more economically important stories to me than Russia, Ukraine. Now, again, I get it. A Russian yacht being seized, what was it, 300, 400, $500 million yacht? Woo! That's big money. I get the oil, I get the wheat, I get the inflation coming out of Russia, I get it. To me, that's short term. What Putin is doing in Europe, Europe's not going to stand for for very long. Uh, what's next for the Iron Court Curtain to expand after Ukraine? Well, looks like Poland looks like kind of part of the old Iron Curtain. Czechoslovakia, you're next. Are the Czechs still Slovakians? Are the Slovakians still Czechs? Is it a Czech Republic? Is it the nation of Slo- like uh, Russia wants it back? At least that's the story, right? That'll pass. But right now, I'm more economically focused. Now, again, I'm not ignoring the volatility in the stock market. It's going to happen. It's not going to end until you know all tanks are back in Russia or some close proximity to that date. Because until that happens, there's going to be a story that Fox News or MSNBC circulates. Does Vladimir Putin have his finger on the nuclear bomb? Until he settles down, people are going to start thinking worst case scenario could be nuclear. And that wouldn't be good for the stock market. So it's, it's frothy right now. But I'm again, I'm focused on the jobs report tomorrow 
and Jerome Powell and inflation today. Because for 20 years, I've been telling you, inflation is my biggest nightmare. And I'm not going to change my tune just because there's an invasion. Because I've seen Saddam Hussein do invasions. I've seen uh, Putin do invasions. I've seen Kim Jong-un say, I'm going to send nuclear bombs to Japan. I'm going to send nuclear bombs to Korea. I'm going to send nuclear bombs to San Francisco. I've seen this before. I've seen high oil. I've seen low oil. I've seen pandemics. I've seen endemics. I've seen Ebola. I've seen bird flu, swine flu, mad cow disease. I've seen currency defaults. I've seen Greece basically get wiped out of the European Union because they have so much debt and not a strong enough economy. And what do you do when you have big debt? You're like, and your citizens are unhappy. You're like, hey, more free stuff, more debt. I've seen bigger stories than this. Now, again, this is a big one. It is a huge one. And the escalation of it is fascinating from a distance. At this point in time, I don't know if Russia can do business with anyone. I don't know if they can leave their airspace. Yachts are being seized. Like it's going to be fascinating to watch from a distance, but it's messy up close in the markets. But I'm more concerned about the jobs number tomorrow than I am about Ukraine, economically speaking. I know it's harsh sometimes doing the show. Like I feel right now, I should apologize. Reports have been positive in developments in nuclear talks with Iran, which helped bring oil prices down. Huh. Is it a coincidence? We seem to get along a lot nicer with, with Iran when flare-ups happen with Russia. That's my first inkling. That's my first inkling. But things seem to be tempering there. And Iran exports a lot more oil than Russia. A lot. Behind Saudi Arabia, Iran's like, we are number two. We are number two. So again, rock, scissors, paper. Which one do I see as more important? It's, it's tough to say out loud without looking like a jerk. Productivity. Productivity was unchanged today at 6.6%. I'm going to be interested in saying, this is again, just me nerding out for a second on you. In five years from now, when we're writing college books on what happened during the pandemic, did we increase worker productivity by letting them work at home? Did they stay working at home with productivity? Did we lose productivity? Because we sent people home. I'm not going to say it saved companies like HP and Dell. It certainly helped companies like HP, Dell, and Apple who sell us computers. Did the new refresh of computer cycle that happened at our home replacing older computers now that we're going back to work and our, our bosses are like, oh, we better upgrade the technology. I was on a business call yesterday talking about upgrading the technology. It's like, oh, this is still a thing in the 21st century. Yep. You got to have your employees efficient. And if technology is slow, they're not efficient. So productivity means more to me than what's going on in the Ukraine right now. I know you're saying no. Yes. I believe that history will replay itself and the Ukraine will be a short-lived situation that in 10 years from now, we'll go, what year did Russia invade Ukraine? And people are like, 2021, 2023, I don't know. I think it'll be short-lived. 
productivity, what we're able to squeeze out of the worker is really, really important because if they're going to ask for higher wages, oh, people are dying. People are coughing on me. And I, I need more wages. Like I would work for $15 an hour, but if, if I'm going to die, I'll work for $20 an hour. You get into the snarkiness here. He's snarky. You know, it's funny, isn't it? Women aren't attracted to snarky, <laughs> but I'm snarky. It's not a good thing. Um, so productivity, jobs numbers tomorrow. Biden, not Biden, but um, Jerome Powell and inflation. Bigger picture, those are more important issues to me. It's kind of like um, you could look at Trump's presidency and you could say, oh, he cut taxes, but taxes could be rolled back. What he did was he appointed a lot of judges who are in their 50s and 60s that are going to be on the court for 20, 25, 30 years. What he did with a court system is going to have a longer term importance than what he did in the economic system. And again, that's just presidential, but that's again, that's just my opinion. And again, that one can be loosely interpreted a lot of different ways. Sorry. This is the uh, segment where Rob says, I'm sorry. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show.